talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this episode of the Artist Interview, a podcast by Hope FM. I'm your host, Gordon T, and I get to talk to some amazing people from the world of contemporary Christian music. And today I'm really, got to say, looking forward to talking with Paul Baloche. He is an amazing guy. And in this interview, he shares so much depth of his heart and his desire to worship. But he also talks about the journey to get there, where he came from, from a life that was steeped in, in rock music and going wild uh, to actually God just turning that all around and that transformation that happened. Uh, but he also talks about traveling around the world. Uh, he talks about finishing well. Uh, actually, he's, he's not the youngest person we ever talked to. I, I should have checked his age for you. But he talks about the fact that he wants to finish well. He wants to run the race well. Uh, but it's all based in God's grace. Uh, so, you know what? Before I talk for too long, let's hear some music that I'm sure you're going to recognise because this is Paul Baloche. Paul, thanks so very much for joining us on Hope FM for the artist interview. How are you doing? Good, Gordon. Thank you. Great to be uh, with well, you. Well, I've got to say it's an absolute honour. I have worshipped many, many times to numbers of the tracks that you've written and they have brought a lot of joy to me personally. And I know oh, for the yeah. church worldwide and for the church in England, they've been significant tracks that have impacted people. Wow, that's great. That's the hope of every songwriter, that, that it would have some impact on the listener, and especially if you're writing songs for worship, to just, to just know that maybe it helps someone worship the Lord, you know, um, all the more, you know. It, so that's beautiful. For me, I've got to say big tick, job done. I, I, I know I've talked to lots of different people, but I've got to say some, some of these tracks are tracks that I would say were very significant tracks uh, as I was growing up as, as a teen and things like that. They've been amazing. When did you first start actually writing worship songs? Um, good question. I was maybe in my early mid-20s, 
um, real quick, I grew up Catholic. I was a Catholic kid growing up and outside of Philadelphia. Well, don't, 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 you know what, this is probably going to be quite interesting for people because everyone's got a different faith journey. So uh feel free, feel free to tell us how, how that all sort of came about. So start off Catholic. Try to give a real short version of it. Um, but yeah, grew up in a, a sincere Catholic family outside of Philadelphia. My parents were real plugged into the church and I went to Catholic school, became an altar boy and all that. And uh, then, then I started getting into rock bands, music. We had a, a basement in our home, a six foot ceiling basement. So boy, all through the high school years, we had drums and martial amps and, and B3 organs. The house would shake. We would rehearse three or four or five nights a week and God bless my parents for putting up with that, but just rock and roll, just classic rock and uh, started playing some clubs, what they called the Jersey Shore. Uh, to your UK listeners, that's New Jersey. And uh, that's where like Bruce Springsteen sort of cut his teeth back in the day. So we all kind of thought like, hey, you know, yeah, we're just right behind Bruce. We're going to be the next Bruce. <laughs> you have all these illusions of... Uh, of grandeur and, and the journey that you thought you might be going on exactly so, but it's great you need aspirations don't you so it's, it's good to aim for something absolutely so that was in school high school then i finished that and i was maybe 19 and we played all oh, in the summer and all these clubs of what you would think would have been the ultimate at first i thought man this is what i always wanted to do just rock and roll but it was it was bad stuff you know there was drugs involved and just a lot of crazy lifestyle things happening at that time. And the people that I was associating with, it was nuts. It was crazy. By the end of that summer, I was really disillusioned and uh, really kind of came to the end of myself and just was in my heart of hearts calling out to the Lord. I didn't even know what that meant, but I, all I knew was to show up, you know, to a 12 o'clock mass on a Sunday morning after playing till four in the morning, you know, on Saturday night and showing up with kind of a hangover sitting in the back pew and just, I feel like the Lord heard my heart somehow because within a few months I started running into people that talked about Jesus like he was real. And I'd never really come across that even, you know, growing up in, in church and having a knowledge of God, but I didn't really have a heart connection or a heart understanding. And so before you know it, just hanging out with some of these people, there was an opportunity where, Man, I heard the gospel and I just gave my heart to the Lord. And it was, it was one of those, you know, for some people it's a season in their life or it's, you know, a journey for me. It was, it was a moment where I felt like I walked, went from black and white into a color, like on the Wizard of Oz, that scene where everything turns to color, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when you say you heard the gospel, what would you say is the key thing that you heard that just impacted your heart then? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Well, I was at an event where people were giving their testimonies and then talking about Jesus Christ died for your sins. You can be forgiven of anything that you've ever done, anything you're ashamed of, anything, you know, all that is covered in the blood of Jesus. And just, just ask him to be your Lord and Savior and say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And that kind of thing, you know, I don't, don't re remember the exact words, but basically as Romans 10, 9, 10 says, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And that I just, me and my older brother and a bunch of friends over that period of time, we got what, you know, sounds too cliche, like saved, 
um, or born again. Some, sadly, sometimes those terms get sort of overused or misconstrued, but basically a radical change in my life where I had no interest in uh, a week later, ran into some, if I said his name, he was a big pop musician and he had a big mound of cocaine on his dining room table and just say, hey man, help yourself. And uh, me and my buddy were just like, we looked at each other and there was nothing in us that was remotely interested in that. We were like, uh, well, thanks, man. But hey, guess what? So Jesus, man, Jesus is real. Like, check out what happened to us last month, man. And like, we're trying to explain and the innocence of, of having this experience with God, with Jesus, that's undeniable. It's, it's a thing that has held myself. And then eventually my wife had had a similar experience who I met years later, but um, both of us through the ups and downs of our faith and just living 35 years of marriage and raising kids and doing ministry. And, you know, I, I fall back on so many of that initial experience and then many subsequent experiences with God that you can't talk me out of my faith. I, 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 I've seen too much. I've experienced too much for someone to say, yeah, oh, that none of that is true. It's like, oh, really? Well, check this out. Because not only me, but I've had the opportunity to travel the world since then. And I have met, it's not an exaggeration to say, you know, thousands um, of people that have had very similar experiences with Jesus, without a doubt. I've asked people at concerts many times, raise your hand if you've ever had an encounter with Jesus, where you made him your Lord and Savior come into my life, um, raise your hand. I'm talking thousands around the world, from India to Singapore to Northern Ireland to South Africa to all across the U.S. and Canada. That's it's- amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so you were playing music. You became a Christian. How did you suddenly become a worshiper? Did it, was it just a sudden thing that came out from within you? So I thought I'd probably have to give up music. The only music I had ever heard was rock music. And so I, I kind of put that down. But then on this little, they call AM radio in the US. I don't know if they have the same thing. Yeah, we know, we, we, we know, we know AM in the old days. Yeah, AM is, you know, not many people really listen to it anymore. But it was, it was Christian radio station, sure enough. And they were playing this music that was I thought was pretty cool, quote unquote. And yet it was about God. I'd never heard such a thing. I was like, man, this is really awesome. Like, we're, who's doing this? Where is this happening? What's, what's going on? Who are these people? Do you actually remember the names of any of the artists that you might have heard at that point? Yeah, yes, yeah. So uh, Kelly Willard was one. Um, Lenny LeBlanc, who years later I ended up becoming a friend with. It was a total God thing. We wrote a song together called Above All that... Um, some of your listeners may have heard Michael W. Smith sing that song, but you know. But Lenny LeBlanc was the first one. Twyla Paris was a. My son was talking about. I know. I know. And we call her Twyla Paris. So Twyla Paris, we've got to correct our pronunciation on that because <laughs> he had uh, bedtime prayers as as a as okay. a kid, uh, and it's beautiful album, lovely lady. Anyway, sorry, carry on. You, you... Yeah, well, she was the you know. I'm trying to fill in the blank, like the Carrie Job of that kind of era, or the you know Lauren Daigle, if you will. She was very. They were playing her on the radio. And so long story short, uh, Maranatha music, vineyard music. And so I thought, man, it seems like Southern California is where this is happening. So I went out there, drove my little car five days, made it to Southern California. Within a couple of days, I met a few Christian artists uh, 
and just used to hang out with them, just go to their house on weekends. So I started going to a music school. I went to a one-year music program in Northern Hollywood, um, well, North Hollywood, Studio City. And that was cool. It was a great experience. And any chance I had after that, besides working a, a little job, was hanging out with some of these people. And I was mowing their lawn. I babysit their kids. I just kind of hung out with people that were married. They were doing music, this Christian music thing. I'd never heard it, but I, I was so drawn to what they were doing and how authentic. Um, I, I felt like, thankfully, the people that I met were so authentic and sincere in their faith. Um, you know, I can't say that about every single person you hear on the radio. I, I don't know, but I'm just saying um, I'm grateful. And then I ended up moving to Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Muscle Shoals is a big music town. If, if your listeners want to Google that, it's a lot of music has come out of there. And that's where I met Lenny LeBlanc and began playing electric guitar for him. And he would lead worship. I would play guitar. And I just learned from watching him. And I gleaned just, uh, just, just the way he would lead with humility, sincerity. He was so authentic and transparent and uh, spirit-led. And, um, and then Kelly Willard, without a doubt. So those two had the biggest, most profound impact on my early walk, just watching them and getting to play guitar for them, just uh, that really set me on a course to, 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 as the Lord would open up opportunities, I'd have a chance to step up and lead. Eventually moved to Texas, Lindale, Texas, where, gosh, there were so many artists in that area, and we got a mobile home. By the, I was married. We had a little girl, a little baby, and it was crazy. My in-laws thought we were nuts. Like we were just going to go down to this commune with a bunch of Christian musicians. My father-in-law said, why are you guys like a bunch of gypsies going around the countries singing Christian music? What kind of life is that? <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know it looks crazy, Pop, but this is what we want to do. And uh, so little did we know we'd stay there 26 years. We, we served in a, the little church there, you know, became the... I didn't know I was going to, I just volunteered to be the guitarist. And within a year, they were like, hey, why don't you come lead this, lead a few songs. And before you know it, they said, we can't pay you much, but you can have that little room. We'll clean out that closet. You can make it an office and uh, maybe put a band together and see what the Lord does. And that began the journey of just taking a lot of my sort of music experience from the world and growing as a believer and just kind of putting those things together and putting a, a band together and uh, that we just began to write songs and record for our church. I never even thought about doing a CD or anything. It was just the joy of writing songs for our church. So that's, that's the answer to your question 10 minutes ago. That's when I started leading worship because I was really more of a guitar player for other artists. I didn't have the confidence really to step out and sing or write but when I began to lead worship, that's when I began to feel these, these phrases or these prayers come out of my mouth in the midst of leading. And, you know, just something like even open the eyes of my heart back in the day. It was just a simple phrase. God, we just pray as we, we stand here in your presence, God, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We just, we want to see you. And, you know, we just be playing whatever chord that is underneath. Just so it was like half praying, half singing. And that's where the beginnings of many songs took, took place. And for those people maybe listening who wouldn't know for certain whether they're Christians or not, can you explain a little bit about 
the purpose of worship uh, and what happens when we worship? Well, a biblical perspective. So this is not my, pers- my, my opinion, but at the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelations, there was a phrase that says, all things were created by him and for him. All things are created for him. So we were created for God's pleasure. That's what we as believers believe, that, that we're not just here, this is our thing, this is our life, but God created us for fellowship and, and um, relationship with him. And so throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's the book of Psalms and King David sort of encouraged and commanded, if you will, the people of Israel to pray and sing these songs. So when we read the book of Psalms, they're not meant to just be read. They were actual, it's like reading a songbook, like reading the lyrics of a Beatle album. Or, 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 you know, it's their lyrics and they're meant to be sung. So we don't know what those melodies sounded like, but we were made and, and all through, I'll just take Psalm 95. Why do we do this? It says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanksgiving. Let's extol him with music and song for, or because, because the Lord, our God is a great God the great king above all gods. And all through the Psalms, there's that exhortation, there's that reminder that that we are to sing songs of thanks and praise to our creator and to our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen to that. I think that's a great explanation. Um, So clearly your focus, I'm gonna gonna guess throughout your time has been to worship and to encourage others to worship and lead people into worship, but also God, sometimes calls us to focus on different things and you talked about your journey and and what you've been doing in in the church but what's god calling you to focus on in this season and going forwards well that's a great question gordon it's funny for years i used to say i'm just going to tear first corinthians 13 out of my bible and i'm going to put my bible on the shelf and i'm just going to i'm going to work on this for the rest of my life first corinthians 13 many of your listeners may be familiar, you know, that's the, uh, what love, you know, if I do this, if I understand all mysteries, if I can out argue everyone on social media and Twitter or whatever, but I have not love then I'm just a, a noisy gong, a, 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 you know, just, I'm just making noise and I don't want to add to the noise, but then it goes on to say, well, what is love? And then it describes love as patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love is not boastful. Love believes all things, hopes all things, you know, endures all things. So you get to apply that, especially in a marriage. So by the grace of God, we've been married 34 years. My wife, Rita, was also a songwriter. When I first met her, she was like a Joni Mitchell clone, you know, long blonde hair, playing open tuning guitar. And she, she was a wild, crazy girl. And then say, had a similar experience that I did around that time, but separately where just, man, God just revealed himself to her and changed her heart and her life. And uh, so at any rate, yeah, I would say what is God speaking to me now is I want to walk that out. I want to continue to be faithful in what God has called me to do, which number one is as a husband, as a father, I have three grown kids now. I have three grandkids and one on the way. So I want to be faithful in those areas also as a worship pastor, if you will. And as a songwriter, 
Uh, those are things I feel called to do. So really, it comes down to being faithful to the things that God has put in my life. That's what I hear him saying. And to finish well, you know, not to just, you know, not to give up toward the end of this race. I want to be able at the end, like the Apostle Paul, to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I've got to say that is quite challenging. Um, only in so much as life can sometimes be quite complicated and there's all sorts of different things that come in. And I can imagine that given a few more years, I might be feeling a bit tired and tempted to sit down on my derriere, as they would say in French, um, and, and maybe put my feet up a little bit. But it doesn't sound like that's what God's calling you to. And I suspect in truth that won't be for me either. What things do you practically do to keep running then? That's great. That's good. Um, well, I would say I have learned the last f few years to be less driven. I, I, I have to confess uh, out there in my 30s and 40s, I was a bit of a driven kind of person. That's not always a bad thing, but I think the Lord used that <laughs> to reveal oftentimes in my life. I, I, I would come, you know, look in the mirror and before I would almost approach like a burnout season of burnout, just trying to do everything, trying to keep it all going and just working hard and just like pushing yourself to the limit to where you, you just burn out and then you're good for nobody. So um, where does that come from? Well, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, that, that's a part of our journey. I love the way the King James words it. It says, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And sometimes I'd hit these, these roadblocks in my walk with the Lord at different seasons of my life. And I'd say, man, I'm just working out my salvation here. I'm, the Lord is gracious. He's kind. He's going to let me start over again. Let's reset. Let's get a reset going here. And God, help me to, to, to live from a place of rest, to live from a place of grace, not from a place of trying to prove something, to to just rack up some kind of accomplishments or, you know, a check, a check box, but, but really to live, to really surrender like the, some of these outcomes and just trust the Lord for those outcomes and just make my role from a place of rest to simply be faithful each day. And then you ask, okay, what kinds of things, Paul, like staying in the word. So nowadays it's easy with all these podcasts to find two or three good preachers, find two or three teachers that really resonate that you, have, and that could change over time. So there's, there's teachers that 10 years ago I used to love and I absorbed and I took notes and now some of them, uh, maybe, maybe I'm still with them. Maybe some of them uh, I'm not quite with them like I was, but you just, just whatever season you're in right now in your life, find some teachers or preachers that you resonate with that you can glean from that keep you in the word, keep you growing, make sure that you are plugged in to at least a handful of believers. You know, maybe it's a big church, maybe it's a small church, but you can't just do this. Of course, someone out there will be like, oh, yes, I can. I don't need church. I don't need people. Well, sure. We all want to do that, but we need people in our life that don't think just like us, that are a little different than us, that rub us the wrong way. That's how we grow. If we just stick around, hang out with people that think like us, act like us, talk like us, look like us, we're never going to grow. 
boy, and that's happening now more than ever with online, social media. Everybody can kind of find their little camp instead of saying, no, 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 man. I want, I want friends who are on the left of the political spectrum, for example, and I want friends who are on the right. You know, I want a little bit of left and right. And really what I find is at the end of the day, and there's a very little difference. Most of the people left and right, those with sincere hearts, they're just trying to, you know, stay healthy, keep their own personal life or their marriage healthy, love their kids, be involved in their community, work a job. You know, 90% we we have in common. Then there's like that 10% of Oh, wait, you believe this about that? Yeah, you, that's your opinion about this social issue? Oh, wait, that's your opinion about, oh, well, I'm going to hate you then. And I'm, I just refuse that. I refuse that. I think the church should be filled with people that, are, are, that think a little differently than us. And that's what I love about the local church is that we can hopefully, and that's what our experience was for 26 years, I'd be around people that, Frankly, I would never befriend them if it wasn't for the church. I would just be like, I don't really like them. And yet, because we were doing life together and our kids were growing up together, I had to learn to, uh, you know, humble myself, hold back maybe some of my strong opinions and just go, you know, man, I, I, this, this guy's, I see where he's coming from, you know, not my, not my cup of tea, but um, I, I see his heart. I see that, of that you know. Sorry to ramble on, Gordon. Don't, don't, don't apologize. No, it's, it's interesting okay. and thought-provoking because you're totally right. There is a, there's an ease and a comfort in just being around the people who are similar to us because they don't challenge us. But the Bible clearly talks about us being iron sharpening iron. So, yes. And two yes. things that you said in there in, in answer to the question about what things, I, I think they were quite powerful words, that they were about rest, um, rest just being one of the clear things and, and grace as well. And it made me think, perhaps some people listening are going, yeah, but it's okay for you to say that, Paul, because you've been really successful. And when when your pops was saying, well, what are you doing? Like gypsies just moving around. I, I, I hope that he got to see what the journey was that God took you on. So he knew that actually you had a worldwide impact. Did, did he get to know that? Uh, a little bit, yes. Before he passed away, he... Um you know, because I did feel that need to prove something, you know? So I think part of that, I have mercy on myself or grace on my 30 year old self, my 26 year old self that was driven that I had a kid and then another kid. And then finally another, my third, and I'm trying to like provide for them, but I'm also trying to be do ministry and I'm trying to be faithful in my songwriting felt called to that. So there was a sense of let's go. Like I wanted to prove so my point is, I look back on that version of myself, and I have some grace. I feel God's heart for that young man saying, I, I was trying to, you know, the Bible says, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. <laughs> so I felt like I want to provide, you know, I, I don't know, whatever success could mean, whatever, at, at a minimum, just providing, paying my bills. Um, taking care of my family, that, that was definitely part of the equation because um, I was at a church that didn't pay a lot per se. So I'd do guitar lessons on the side and, and mow some lawns and paint, do some painting and just that hustle thing. That, that, uh, Things to make ends meet, absolutely. Yes, yeah. But um, do you have any – one of the reasons I mentioned about success is you've had yeah. it, but there's going to be people listening – 
who would perhaps look back on their life with some regrets maybe and think i haven't had this success i'm i'm maybe slightly senior maybe i'm thinking about how do i run my end game what words of encouragement have for people who actually at the moment are going why am i here now where's it what's it all been about um good question profound question i would say that I think we have to redefine what success means perhaps throughout our life as we become uh, aware of our circumstances and our season, the particular season that we're in. There may have been some unrealistic dreams, if you will, like, uh, you know, what if I would wanted to be a, a professional quarterback in the NFL? You know, I could... I could be, you know, oh, man, I never became a pro football player. Oh, man, I'm, I'm a failure. Well, not really. Somewhere along the line, I had to readjust and go, yeah, I'm never going to be that. Like, it's, you know, as you hopefully in your 20s, you learn and you discover what some of, the, what some of those gifts are that God has put in you and how you can um, uh, use those gifts and increase those gifts. Like the Bible talks about talents. You get two talents from the Lord. And if you exercise and use those gifts, then the Lord will increase those gifts. And oftentimes will increase the influence and, and, uh, and the quote unquote success you have if you build and develop on the things that you're good at. So I hope, I hope those listening that especially in your twenties, you're, you have people in your life that can talk you out of things of Paul. You shouldn't, you don't, you're never going to be a professional basketball player. So I don't care how many, how many times you're going to shoot hoops, you know, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen for you, but you know what you are good at, Paul, you're really good with numbers. I think like, like being an accountant type person or like, you seem to be super organized and all of my other friends are very disorganized. I'm just throwing out an example, or maybe, you know, uh, a woman maybe feel like, oh, well, I was going to have this big career, but now I'm, I'm quote, just a mom. Well, what, a, what an amazing thing. All of a sudden, to change your def, redefine success and say, you know, as a mom, I'm raising three human beings. I am investing in every day. I'm discipling and loving and, and caring for and building these lives that someday will be independent, um, you know, adults in the world making a difference, you know. So, uh, bottom line is, Gordon, on that question, I would say prayerfully, everyone, prayerfully, with maybe a few close friends that know you, uh, kind of define what does success mean? You know, what, what, does, what would that look like for you? And it, you may be in a season of life in your 30s or 40s where you have to redefine what you thought your 20s was. Now, it's, now that you know yourself better and your circumstances, you may just redefine it and go, okay, I'm going to accept the past didn't quite work out what I thought. I'm, I'm not a pro football player, but you know what? I, I've come to discover I'm pretty good at this and I'm kind of good at this. And when I do this, people seem to respond. And I think I'm just going to keep getting better at this, good on this track and try to be faithful in that. And, uh, and as I serve others with that gift and the Lord will also provide for my household. Amen. Amen. I've got to say one of those things that I, I hope that I will get to a point in my life where I, listen to your advice and I go, yep, rest and also God's grace in things and new seasons and seeing what God does as well. We've, we've reset. Sometimes you just get a total reset. And in the current situation, lots of people have lost their jobs and people's identity was yeah. in their jobs. And maybe they've been in those jobs for years and suddenly those jobs have disappeared. And actually 
what next God in those sorts of situations, yeah. but God's always yeah. faithful in these things. So, um, and, and can I define too, when I say grace, you're right. Maybe for some listeners are like, well, what does that mean? Grace? I guess another way to say would like to be kind to yourself, like not to get too psychology wide, but like think about the 12 year old version of yourself, that, that young sort of bright eyed, you know, pre-adolescent sort of thing, just, Take a moment and just be kind to that childlike person that's inside you still. And just just extend forgiveness. Extend, you know, knowing that God has forgiven you, that through Jesus, you are forgiven. So forgive yourself for not hitting the mark on some of these things that you put on yourself or maybe someone else put upon you, parents or the expectations of of, of for whatever situation you had right growing up, maybe there's an opportunity to, uh, to for that reset. You know, here's an image for you. Do you remember those things growing up called an Etch-a-Sketch? I do remember Etch-a-Sketch very well. So I wasn't very good at them. Remember, remember those them. things? You, it was all filled up. What would you do? You pick it up and you just begin to yeah. shake it, right? <laughs> so I would say... If you look at the etch-a-sketch of your life and the lines are all over the place and they're crazy and the picture doesn't look like what you thought it should have looked like, guess what? Just pick that thing up, shake it, and start over. Start over with the Lord. Know that he will give you a clean slate today, period. The The past is gone. Forget. In fact, there's a verse, if I may say, from the Bible in Isaiah. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. So that's a word for many of you. Yeah, that is a very encouraging one. And I love the picture as well. So I'm, I'm somewhere I might even have an extra sketch in the loft. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but definitely one of those things. And a great, but a great picture of a reset that Jesus can give you at any time. Now, we've got another track to play from you, uh, and it's called what a good God. Can you tell us a little bit about the story behind the track um, uh, before we hear it? Um, what a Good God was co-written with a brother named Brenton Brown, who was originally from South Africa and then ended up going to Oxford of all places. And he was a, became like a worship pastor while he was going through there, a young kid. And uh, him and I became friends over the years. And we co-wrote this because he had a house in Southern California and they had all the fires a few years ago. And he lost everything. He lost his whole house, went up in flames. He's married with two girls. And uh, just imagine that. And so this was about two years after that. Uh, the, the, the local authorities were not letting him build back um, all these regulations and things that were holding things up. And so he's just stuck in this limbo. And uh, so here we are in a room for two days to write songs. And uh, he... Uh, you know, I was just saying, you know, what a, what a challenge, what a struggle to go through that, you know, where you just wonder, where are, where are you, God? Where, where? And just to hear him, he responded to me, Gordon. He said, uh, Paul, here's the thing, though. You know, every time, like, we were tempted to, like, doubt his goodness, I, we just felt his presence. Like, and as soon as he said those words, I was like, oh, sorry, but that just feels like a beginning of a song. So, let me just write that down. But go ahead and sh- tell me, tell me what you're sharing. Tell me your heart. But just that that beginning of like each time I doubt your goodness, you show me that you are with us. Your presence makes the difference. I've seen it every time. 
Like it was another thing he said just in, the, in conversation. He goes, man, that's a thing. I, as, as bad as things were, like we've just seen God's faithfulness like every time. We just see him. And so imagine losing everything you have and yet being able to, to just to recognize the hand of God through that. So God, may he give us all grace. That is not easy. No. And the, the, just, just on these, the, the, I, I had some friends who were in uh, Redding, California, yeah. and, uh, and they helped go out and sift through the ashes because literally whole towns were just wiped yes, out entirely yes. because uh-huh. it's, it's wood-built houses yes. and they just there was nothing left and they were literally sifting through the ash to find things like a person's wedding ring that yeah, had been left in the yeah. house and, and just yeah. anything like that to, to give back to people. Exactly. It was, was his house entirely destroyed? Yes, everything lost? Everything. Yeah. Gone. Unbelievable, awful thing to go yeah, through. Yeah. But what an amazing thing for him to, to come out and talk about. And I know, I know. So as you listen to this, just uh, if you're going through a time of questioning or doubting or wondering, where, well, God, where are you in all this? coming out of uh, some of the real battles and challenges we've had over the last two years, especially um, the pandemic and everything. So let's just, uh, through it all, can we say, what a good God, you know, you're bringing me back to life. You're opening up my eyes. I've seen it every time. So God, open our eyes, help us, help each and every one of us, Lord, those listening, including myself, Lord, help us open our eyes, make us more aware of your hand, that you are with us in the battle, you are with us in the valley. And God, help us to see and trust and have hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for all that you've shared so far. Uh, and, you know, I feel that there's more stuff for you to bring to listeners and that the lyrics in there are so powerful. And uh, just I think they're capturing a little bit of, of the story uh, of perhaps my life as well as the listeners. What things do you feel, particular things you'd like to pull out from it? Um, just here in the end of the song there, just reminded, oh, yeah, just the end, just over and over the bridge and the refrain is, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it every time. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful every time. And I think uh, that's a good challenge for all of us because we so easily forget. We really do. We just being our human nature, we tend to forget. And that is why all through the the Old Testament, where we see um, many times the prophets would remind the people of Israel, remember what God did. Remember how he brought us out of Egypt. Remember when he did this. Remember when... And then all throughout the Psalms, David, it was almost an act of worship. One of the expressions of worship is to literally use our mind to remember. Sometimes we think, oh, worship is just singing. Maybe we clap our hands with this. Yeah, that's true. But another act of worship is to remember. So an active remembrance of the times in our life where God was faithful. I think every one of us right now, even maybe after we, we, we say goodbye uh, sometime today or this week, if uh, any of the listeners, I challenge you to just set aside some time um, 
and just actively think about from zero to 10 and then from 10 to 20 and maybe from your, from 20 years old to 30 years old, whatever. Think of in terms of decades for a minute, if that helps you and think of the times in, in your life where God opened the door, where God was merciful, where, where, wow, something really bad, a consequence could have happened based on your actions perhaps. And God somehow was merciful and allowed you to escape the full consequence of your actions, if you will. I mean, that's just one of many things. Think of the times God has provided for you. Think of the times where you were gravely sick. Of course, then a cynic understandably could come back and say, oh, well, I can also think of times where we prayed and God didn't come through. You know, we, we prayed and asked God to heal my aunt or my grandfather. And, uh, and I understand that. I do understand that. That is part of our human condition that we only see, we, we don't, we all, our, our seeing is limited, if you will, our, our spiritual seeing. We'll, we'll never know that the, the few years we have on this planet uh, in the mystery of God, not uh, of why sometimes there was a breakthrough and a miracle and why sometimes it seemed like the Lord maybe didn't hear our prayers or the Lord allowed something to happen that we, we did not ask for. And um, that can be painful. So let us process those things through his grace, through, the, through his love, through an understanding of what the Bible conveys on every page, the love of God. Let us process those things, not just in a vacuum, but process those things through the understanding that God is for us. He's not against us. He loves us. He's for you. Um, Otherwise, what, what is, that's where our hope is. Otherwise, then we have no hope. So does that make sense? Process those difficult things through the faithfulness. Look, I'm challenging you to look at all the seasons of your life and write down those things to, to actively remember. Oh, man, that's when God, maybe it's, maybe it's your spouse. You're thankful for your spouse. Maybe thankful for one of your kids or all of your kids, or you're thankful that you're in a, in a neighborhood that you could have never, wow, God gave us friends or God planted us in a church. That's just amazing. And again, we're not talking perfection utopia here. I think our generation, we have this false, we think life's supposed to just be perfect. And um, no, in Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that is an amazingly exciting moment. Do you know what? Would you be happy just to pray for people who've maybe lost hope? People for whom they're going, yeah, but it never works out for me. Um, if you'd be happy yeah. to do that, I'd be so honoured. Well, I, I want to say, is, all right, I'll just begin to pray. And when I pray, I pray, I'm just talking. When we pray, we just talk to the Lord. So it goes from talking to you, Gordon, to now I talk to the Lord. And he's been part of this conversation the whole time. So Lord, we I turn my attention to you and I just speak out loud as a, as a very flawed human, as someone who has failed many times, who has fallen short. And many times uh, I feel, who am I to even raise my voice in, in public like this? And, um, but I say that to encourage anyone listening, that there's no celebrities in the body of Christ. There's, we're, we're just all subject to the things of this world and physically, emotionally, uh, things that come against us that are either from culture or from 
the enemy of our soul, as the Bible calls it, the, uh, the devil, if you, if you will. Um, so we're just aware of the pain and difficulty of life that can cause us to sometimes lose hope. And Jesus, on behalf of everyone listening, I raise my voice. I raise my voice and I lift my heart to you in hope and in confidence based on years and years and years of your faithfulness, of seeing firsthand your faithfulness, and based on the many testimonies and promises in your word, your, the word that was written thousands of years ago, and the testimonies of people that I've met around the world that have experienced you firsthand, that you are alive. You indeed rose from the dead, and you are alive, and you do hear our prayers. So we call upon you, living God, our Father in heaven, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. We lift our hearts, we lift our voices, and we pray in this moment that you would truly open the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. Make us more aware than ever of your presence right now, right where we're seated, right where we're standing in this moment. In Jesus' name, I pray you would open our eyes just like that, Lord. Make us aware of your holy presence. Your word says, draw near to you and you will draw near to us. So as best as we know how, Lord, each one of us, we, we draw near. We turn our attention to you with our minds, with our emotions. We turn toward you. And we trust that you're drawing toward us in this moment. And that you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Pour out your hope, Jesus. Pour out the hope of your salvation. In Jesus' name, God, make yourself real to every listener. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Paul, for that prayer. Uh, and if you're listening at home, maybe, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, I need to know more about this Jesus. Uh, I just want to encourage you to get along if you're in the UK to www.findachurch.co.uk there are many churches that love to welcome you and help you more about help you know more about God's amazing love um, and if you're elsewhere in the world listening to one of our partner stations do look up the station and again contact them and just say what what church is around that I could connect with to know more about God so Paul thanks for all you've shared so far it's wonderful to hear your heart and uh, hearing your heart actually is great because your music so reflects your heart and also something of God's heart as well. So um, it, it, it's exciting for me to have met the man behind yeah. the music. Um, and I'd like to know, we talked a little bit about right back at the start, you were talking about the fact that you were, things were quite messed up um, for you. You weren't going down the right path and then God redirected you. Um, but even when you've been on the right path, I'm sure not everything's always been smooth. But I was wondering if some maybe, could you travel around the world 
there's plenty of opportunities for things to go wrong. I don't mean in a nasty way. I mean, just sometimes just like a curveball. Something goes crazy and you go, oh, no, that's not what we'd expect it to happen. Sure, sure. Um, are there some stories from Paul on the road where actually the road has not been the path you expected at all? Oh, my goodness. So many, so many. And so much anxiety. I'll just throw that out there just to, just because I know many of us, many people struggle with anxiety. Um, I have always been insecure about my voice, believe it or not, because I'm surrounded by great singers, you know, and there's always parts of us, or at least in my kind of my mind, like, oh, I wish I sang more like that person, or I wish I played guitar more like that person, or I wish... I had the stage presence of that person. <laughs> you know, we just punish ourselves by comparing. And I've just tried over the years just to, to fight that. But I wanted to acknowledge that, um, you know, that has always been a real challenge for me traveling over the years. And uh, boy, just many times that anxiety of you're part of a, maybe a festival and there's five other artists and delirious is going to be one of the, you know, so you're going, Oh my gosh, delirious. I'm going to be so boring compared to delirious. <laughs> People are going to throw rotten vegetables at me or, <laughs> you know, um, et cetera. So, you know, of course all that is silly and most of that's just in our mind. And, uh, and many times just my way out of that, I'll just say has been instead of trying to fight it, I would just say, Lord, just say it out loud. Lord, I pray that give me the courage to just be who I am, who you made me to be, to not try to try to be something I'm not or be someone I'm not, or also not apologize and be try to be overly humble. Just, just help me to just stand with humble confidence and just open my mouth and trust that you will sing and, and speak through me. And I'm going to do my best to prepare for each of these moments. Um, but at the end, I just surrender it to you and trust that you will move, Lord. So I don't know why I felt led to share that. So anyone that maybe struggles with anxiety, and that is my thing is to surrender, to just acknowledge it, surrender it and say, Lord, I have nothing to prove here. I have, you know, I'm loved by you and I'm just going to, you open this door. You gave this opportunity. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to prepare. And then only you can... Uh, I'll let the results be what they will. Um, so having said that, um, uh, just one quick thing that came to mind. Uh, in There's an outdoor festival in Holland called Opviking, which is every summer, like uh, the end of May, early June. And it's a big, oh, there's several festivals, like I guess similar to the UK, big church day out or things like that, right? And I've been there a few times, but this was the first time I was there. And here we are, and there's 20,000 some people, outdoor festival. I came from America with my band. Here we are, first song, right in the middle of the second song, and boom, power goes out, no lights, no sound. And I'm just looking around like, what, what just happened? Like... <laughs> And uh, it's pretty vulnerable to be in front of all these people. Hey, you know, you're kind of yelling, but your voice goes into the void, you know. So I thankfully, there was two songs I knew just the beginnings of I practiced in Holland. And one was How Great Thou Art. In, uh, so I just went, dancing minds and all I had to do was say that and the first few rows began to sing and then the next wave and then next thing you know they're all singing acapella 
hands in the air, the whole song. And I'm just trying to stay engaged. And every once in a while, looking over at my band guys saying, stay right here. Don't, don't leave. <laughs> and then someone brought a bullhorn up. I had never used one before. I was like, you know, you've seen, I've seen people use them, but I never have. And so I had, all right, what do you do with this part? Oh, you, you talking to this. Okay, there you go. And so I held that thing up. And when I was done, I had practiced. Schein mir zu licht in mein heart here. Schein mir zu licht in mein heart. Open the eyes of my heart in Dutch. And all it, I just sang that twice. And they began to sing that in unison, in acapella. And it was profound and beautiful. And then like toward the end of the song, boom, power came back on. And the band, I looked at each other, boom, they kicked in lights. And then we just were able to finish our time. And what could have seemed like, oh, that's the worst thing that could have ever happened. You know, we've done that conference or festival a few times since, and people always remark, oh, remember that time the power went out and the everybody kept worshiping. And that was so that was so profound. And the Lord, just his presence was so thick. And did you ask someone to go around the back and flick that fuse down so you can do it again? Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> That's great. But you know what's interesting? Often when I speak to Americans, they're very American centric. Um, but you've got songs where you're saying, oh, they might do some Spanish versions, but it's normally just going to be because it serves around where your, your continent is. Right, right. But, but, but you obviously sing in English uh, and you sing in French and you also sing in Dutch. Goedemiddag, fijne men weer te zien. Sorry, my Dutch is limited to songs. That's okay, your Dutch is limited to songs. Mine, mine's limited to, hello, it's nice to see you again. <laughs> nice, nice. Very good, Gordon. <laughs> and that's all I can say. I can, I, because I worked for a Dutch company, but very convincing. But, um, but what's unusual is that you you obviously have invested time into into Europe a bit, which um, for me is a wonderful thing. And I understand because you're on integrity, you you also come to the UK. How how often have you been in the UK? Oh, back in the day, you know, at least maybe twice a year. Um, had the chance to do prom praise a few times at the Royal Albert Hall, which has always been a highlight. You know, I would always send a photo back to my wife saying, well, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> that, it is an epic place to, to perform, is. I can imagine. I yes, never have because yes. I can't perform, but but I, I do yes. know other people who have, and they've said it's wonderful. So that's that's fantastic. And you are friends with Delirious. You mentioned them earlier on, but but Martin yeah, Smith yeah. and you, you've, you've worked on projects with with compassion arts, haven't you? Yes, yes, that was fun. Yes. Now, now, is is that all finished and and not doing anything further, or is there a chance that there might be future things coming out? I think you'll have to ask Martin on that. You know, that was a once in a lifetime opportunity to bring some artists together. We spent a week in Scotland and we wrote these songs together, and we had all the publishers agree to to make all any proceeds from the songs go toward charity. And then we recorded everything at Abbey Road, which was, again, another, you know, a kid growing up in, in Philadelphia. You know, what, what a dream to go into Abbey Road and record some songs there. And uh, so it was a beautiful project to be part of. And um, all, all from Martin, you know, just out of his heart. He's always he's, he's a guy that dreams big dreams. Um, I do want to say quickly that the language thing, I always felt. Not a, not a self-consciousness, but being an American, I am aware that oftentimes American gets that reputation of like the, 
American comes into some country and just sort of like, hey, here we are doing our thing, you know, and I, I always felt like, what if we try to meet them halfway? Like, what if we learn just a few words? Hello, thank you. Maybe learn a song, one song at least. And like we, we did a, a recording in uh, Korea, in Seoul, Korea years ago. And it was like we were able to sort of do a, a, a simple song. And then my manager for many years was from Holland. So I would hear him speak and we would go to Holland and do events. I said, I got to know some worship pastors and thought, well, what if we do a Dutch album? And if I practice, you can teach me. And here we are in the office. You can tell me, nope, not that. This. And so, uh, yeah, we recorded. I sang about six of the songs. And then the, the half, other half of the album were um, like worship leaders from Holland, from all across Holland singing songs of mine that were translated. And then we did two albums in French, uh, even though I don't parlez-vous français, but I can at least go and do a whole concert in French now. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Which is so fun. You know, ouvre les yeux de mon coeur, père. Ouvre les yeux de mon coeur. You know, it's, it's a joy to at least try. And I used to tease and go, I don't care what you think of my accent. Uh, I don't care what you think if you laugh at me. Uh, you know, just trying to self-deprecating. Yeah. To sort of, to basically send the message that, uh, you know, I, I honor and respect your culture, your language. I'm trying to meet you halfway. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't even make it halfway, but um, I think it, it created um, a, a bit of a, in my experience, sort of at least um a sense of community. Uh, they sort of gave me a, a pass or they gave extended grace to me that, Hey, at least this guy's trying. And uh, we had sort of a little bit of humor. I think we got to have some humor in our nights of worship. We, we, we lose that. We can get so serious and so intense. I always look for some moments where we can also just have some fun and, and laugh. Yeah, and Jesus loves fun. I think it's a great invention of his. So we take ourselves too serious, right? Yeah, we yeah we certainly can. Uh, so, so your album came out last year. Um, Behold him. Yes. Um, not so it's 2020. In case you're listening to this on the archive, it's 2020 when the album came out. Currently, it's just become full 2021. So uh, that album, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't get to tour with it as you might have wanted or anything like right. that. Um, what are you What are you doing right at this moment then? Well, I am doing a lot of events coming up. And of course, during the pandemic, I did a lot of things online as much as you could. I did some worship conference things. Uh, that's really my heart these days is to, to encourage next generation leaders. I really feel uh, that is like a priority of mine. Any opportunity I have to speak to leaders, especially next generation leaders coming up to just basically share, hey, these are things I've learned, et cetera. You know, so, um, but yeah, I, this coming month, there's a lot of actual live events th um, throughout the U.S. I'll be doing from Atlanta and New York City, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. So these are worship conference where we do a night of worship. And then typically the next day, there's some training involved of worship teams. So yeah, a lot of these songs, uh, I had hoped that people would have a chance to hear them. Um, Typically, you would kind of a new album comes out and you go minister with those songs and some kind of a tour. Uh, a lot of them are co-written with people that I greatly respect. Um, uh, Matt Redman uh, co-written with Matt, uh, some with Jason Ingram, um, with Brenton Brown, uh, Carrie Job, 
Um, she sings, uh, does a duet with me. She's been a friend for years before when she was just a background singer at a little church in Texas. Uh, my wife and I knew Carrie and just it's been fun to watch the Lord raise her up and use her. So anyhow, yeah, all that, I'm not trying to name drop. I'm saying these are people. That no, no, it's, it's, it's wonderful. There's always collaboration going on. I love, I love it when people yeah. serve each other to bring a bigger blessing. It's wonderful. At this point, everything I do is collaboration. Yeah. I love uh, that sense of community. And uh, we do, when we, when we work together, I feel like there's a exponential possibility there. Yeah, I think that's that's so right. And I, I've got to say, I really love unity uh, across the churches as well. Uh, churches of all different denominations yeah, saying yeah. Jesus is the central thing. Amen. The differences between people, whether they're left of politics or right of politics, but actually you find that you agree on so many things yeah. and the differences aren't the significant stuff sometimes. So exactly. so good to not get exactly. those separations in there. Exactly. Let us, let us do our best to try to give some people the benefit of the doubt. Now, you know, they're an outright jerk. Well, then, you know, you have to deal with that. But like, as I said, over the years, I've had a chance to do like the natural or the National Lutheran Worship Conference or the Southern Baptist Worship Pastors Conference, you know, and then maybe something at Bethel and then maybe something with elevation. And, and to me, I just appreciate the uniqueness and uh sure you know it may be somebody even hearing me throw out one of those things would be like oh that's terrible you did something with them <laughs> and my point is when i go into a situation it's not my job to straighten out their theology as if i know exactly what the perfect theology is i've been humbled many times going into a situation thinking ah i'm going to show them how to really worship and then being humbled like wow like to the, the Lutheran one, for example, just to hear them sing these hymns a cappella with such robust, you know, with such strength, you know, and here I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to show them some modern worship thing. And I was just humbled years ago. I remember just an example yeah, yeah. where I just learned to just, there's things to respect about all these different streams in the body of Christ. And uh, I think let us endeavor to do that. Let us as the as first corinthians 13 let's let's endeavor to believe all things hope all things to to not immediately be critical and suspicious and um if if they don't check every single box in our litmus test you know talking to some of the best names in contemporary christian music this is the hope fm artist interview you know what paul you've shared so much uh, great stuff with us um and i'm really pleased so we've still got one more track uh, to hear from you and uh, it's the track behold him from your 2018 album behold him could you just tell us a little bit about the story behind the track and what does it mean to behold him well i love the word behold it is one of those words that we don't often use it in our everyday conversation. It feels like one of those God words. And that's what struck me about it uh, a few years ago when we were writing this. Just behold, behold him. Um, I love that there are words like holy uh, that are just reserved for God. And um, there's in, in Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I am God. And that scripture is, so is all throughout the chorus of the song, Oh, be still and behold him. I just thought it was almost like bookends, if you will, like almost 30 years ago, just that, that prayer, a simple prayer song of open the eyes of my heart, you know, having to do with wanting to see the Lord. I want to see you. I want to 
see you, Lord, with the eyes of my heart. And then so here we are years later walking with the Lord and just this idea of behold him, be still and behold him. It's a, still the idea of seeing the Lord. Um, gosh, that's, we can go off on a tangent. The Apostle Paul said, my ministry is to make that all men would see. Uh, quite interesting that that's how he defined his ministry, that, uh, that, that, that all would see. Um, you know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, not just with our physical eyes, but the, the eyes of our understanding, our, with our hearts, with the eyes of our emotions. Uh, so, if you will, so uh, the eyes of our spirit. So, behold him, kind of, again, is that idea of in the cacophony and the noise of our culture, may we take time to be still to get quiet, to quiet our hearts and our minds, to, to, to not always turn to our phones so quickly and look, go through all our social media all the time, but let us make time to get away and learn to be still and then behold him in his word, behold him in the experiences we've had and that we've journaled about him. Um, just behold and contemplate and ponder. I love the word ponder, which is kind of like part of beholding. And if I have to define behold, it's like ponder the things of God, you know? So that's a long definition again, Gordon, you're so patient with my long answers here, but I pray that as your listeners, uh, and also the, the heart behind this co-written with a, a brother named Mitch Wong, who was in a group called the Planet Shakers from Australia. Uh, we've had Planet Shakers on the show before. They're great guys. Oh, great. And we actually co-wrote this over Zoom two years ago. So just going back and forth. I was in New York City and he was in Australia. And so anyway, uh, we also wanted with the song to tell the story again. So you'll notice as you listen to the beginning of the song, oftentimes we'll say, hey, let's, let's tell the gospel again. So the, it starts off, he who was before there was light, um, before there was time, you know, like you start there before creation and then you move to his death and his resurrection. So you're kind of trying to tell the gospel throughout the song in the verses. And then the chorus is the, the expression of worship to, oh, be still and behold him. And that was Behold Him by Paul Balosh. And I've got to say, what a gentleman and what an amazing statesman in the worship world. Uh, not just for the music he's produced uh, himself, but also for the way that he's wanted to release others into leading worship. Uh, and it's just what a lovely heart. Really enjoyed chatting to him. But I hope you enjoyed it as well. And there are many other artists and interviews that you can hear right now on your favorite podcast platform. So just search up The Artist Interview and we hope you might be blessed by them. Please feel free to like them, share them, uh, and just let other people know about the goodness of God in your life. Take care. God bless. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.